turn to the Colossians passage, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, and, and just spend a little bit of time this morning encouraging you from Paul's words, the apostle as he writes, to a church that he's never been to. This is not one of Paul's church plants. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. By the way, I also got new glasses. They are bifocals, uh, thanks to the prophetic word of Annette Hall. But I didn't want, I was really anxious about walking down the stairs because if I wasn't adjusted to them, you would give, oh my gosh, look, he's falling down. He shouldn't be up there. It's just the glasses, I promise. So, Paul is writing to a church he doesn't know in Colossae. It's a, it's a smaller town. It's, if you will, it's a Gainesville-sized town uh, in Asia Minor, modern Turkey. Um, Ephesus is the large metropolitan. It's the Tampa or Jacksonville of its time. And, and Colossae is close enough to Ephesus, but, but also a little bit of a distance. It's very close to Laodicea. You may remember that name from the book of Revelation. It's one of the seven churches. As a matter of fact, there are many churches around Colossae that are named, uh, uh, you know, Smyrna and Ephesus and Laodicea and others. But, but Colossae is not mentioned in the book of Revelation. But never fear because... Paul writes them their own personal letter. Themes run through the book of Colossians. One of them is thankfulness. And, and this morning, as I, I'm, my heart is full of thankfulness, as I'm, I'm listening to the, the song, you know, you know, when my life has come to an end, you know, as David, you know, so masterfully put in the, the you know, in that song this morning, you know, just a closer walk with the, I'm reminded of the fact that the Lord has, has been so gracious to me in my life in the last two weeks. Paul is full of thankfulness as well, and we actually get to read his prayer, not necessarily word for word. This is Paul summarizing what he's been praying for the people, the Colossians um, in this prayer. As I said, he's never been there, but he's heard of their faith. So the, the first verses, verse one through seven, are Paul's thankfulness. And he expresses, this is the prayer I have for you, church at Colossae. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love that you have to all the saints. Because of the person of Jesus Christ, because they've come to know the gospel, they love not only God, but they also love the saints, the people of God. Because, verse 5 says, because of the hope laid out for you in heaven, Paul is saying, because you've received the gospel, there is a hope laid out for you in heaven, set apart, that there's, there is a hope beyond this material world, beyond this life, beyond this existence, there is a eternal life that is for you, that will still be bodily, it's not as if it's just spiritual, but it's beyond this existence. And that hope has been laid up for you, Paul says, and we give thanks to God for what he's done in you, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which, you've come, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is being bearing fruit, increasing, as also it does among you since the day you heard of it, understood the grace of God and truth. Paul is almost talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as if it was a personification. You know, it's like it, it's, it's moving throughout. 
and touching lives of people everywhere. And I've had occasions over the last few weeks to hear different testimonies of the work that God has done in people's lives and how they've come to faith in Jesus Christ with the, with the other candidates who, uh, who uh, were up for you know, being confirmed as bishops up in Virginia. And as I met with the diocesan staff this last week and had a couple of days of retreat and just hearing the unique stories of how the gospel has come to different people, a friend, a brother, a parent, Maybe even somebody they, they considered not a friend at all at first. As a matter of fact, they re- responded you know, very negatively towards the information. But, but over time, the gospel moves into their lives and takes hold of them. And they recognize that Christ, in fact, is the way, the truth, and the life. Paul says they've understood the grace of God, this free gift of God, the truth of that in Jesus Christ. Just as you heard, verse 7, as you heard the, the, and learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Now, who is this Epaphras? Well, Epaphras had come from Colossae. He was a Colossaean, I guess, or however you would pronounce it. But he, he's from Colossae, and in fact, he is the pastor of the local congregation there. And apparently what's happened is that Epaphras has, has shared the gospel and has seen the fruit. He perhaps is the church planter, we don't know, but he's been the pastor and he's seen as he's preached and taught the gospel, people have responded to Jesus Christ, they've responded to the truth of Christ and they have come to a living faith. And so now Epaphras has gone to Rome where Paul is and he has described to Paul what is going on in Colossae? It's in other words, this is the reason the letter's been written. And, it's, and so it is in all the lives of all of us that there is some human person, there's some person or people that are involved. They're the human agents to bring the gospel to us, the good news of Jesus Christ to us. God has chosen to work through people. And so we need to be mindful wherever we are and whatever we're about that Lord, am I the one called to speak the name Jesus to make clear to them, not a vague sense of spirituality or of a God, but of the person of Jesus and his unique plan of salvation in this person's life? I had two nurses in the hospital, day nurse and a night nurse, night and day. Literally, they were very different. Male nurse at night, female nurse in the daytime, But I was mindful of that. Even as I was laying up there recovering from the stents and the heart attack, I I was mindful that, that how I interact with these two people and how I show myself becomes an opportunity to, to share the witness of Jesus Christ. Are we mindful of those things as we go through our day? Whatever, whatever, wherever the Lord puts us, are we aware that we may be the human instrument the Lord is using to communicate the gospel as Epaphras was in Colossae. Paul goes on, he is a faithful minister of Jesus Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. The Holy Spirit has become alive in the people in Colossae and so their spirit is giving testimony through Epaphras' testimony to Paul about what's going on in Colossae. Epaphras is reported to Paul, and now Paul is writing to respond. It is a, it is a, 
a, a letter and a prayer of thankfulness to the Lord for what the Lord's done. I think it is, it's, it's really easy to become discouraged about the way the world seems to be resistant to Christ and to, and to forget to come back to a place of thankfulness for those places and those persons that we know that have responded to the gospel, that have received Christ, and who is at work in a living way in their lives. And it's interesting to me that Paul begins many of his letters with this overwhelming sense of thankfulness that I think easily can slip from our minds and hearts as we live through our days, frustrated with all the things that aren't going right. Well, Paul then shifts real quickly. He shifts in verse 8, excuse me, verse 9, into continuing to tell the, the people of the Colossians what exactly, oh, I guess they'd be called Colossians. Uh, what, they, what, what Paul begins to tell them, not only he's praying for them, but how he's interceding for them. The fruit of the life that he prays for them. And I, I, I wonder, who is praying this for you and who are you praying this for? Paul goes on, verse nine. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And just to pause there, because of what God has done in Christ for us, therefore Paul now is praying for the Colossians. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Those three words, knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding, those are all concepts that if you go back to the Old Testament, they're, they're rich with meaning and, and usage in the Old Testament. They're, they're wrapped together. God desires, he desires to reveal himself, that we will have knowledge of who he is, that we'll have wisdom about what we're called to do, and we'll have understanding for his ways. And the Lord is always wanting to do that. So remember Proverbs 4, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make straight your paths. This idea of, of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, the Lord wants them to have a knowledge of him that then leads in verse 10 to a way of holiness. Now, this is not to say that Paul is suggesting that there's, there's all this secret information that they don't have understanding of, that, that somehow they'll, they'll, that they'll get the, the, the rest of the story, the, the second chapter, the, the advanced course. Paul will make clear throughout the book of Colossians that the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the understanding of God is all rooted in the person of Christ. To understand what Christ has done for us on the cross through his death and resurrection is the key to understanding all the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that God has. Paul's other motivation for writing this letter is because he knows that there is a temptation to be drawn away from the centrality of Christ in their faith, to be pulled to other things, whether it's, it's back to Judaism or whether it's into some sort of a 
more synchronistic belief in a, in a, in a kind of a Gnostic, whatever, whatever the, the challenge is, Paul will make very clear that it's essential that they stay Christ-centered in their faith. And so what Paul prays is that more and more there'll be a clarity of that. I th- I've said, shared this before, but it's worth repeating. I, I went to seminary and, and I was just like frustrated at first because we kept just talking about Jesus and the gospel and, and, and the gospel and Jesus and, and, you know, and on and on. Because, and, and, and then I began to realize that, that, that the, the, the problems of the church are not external forces. It's us forgetting Jesus and his gospel. It's us losing Christ at the center, which is the very thing that Paul wants to make sure is rooted in the hearts of these people. So he prays they'll have knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, this is that holiness that I was talking about. Lean not on your in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. This is that following in the way of Christ. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. This is what Paul prays for them. Being strengthened in all power according to the glorious might. So knowledge, which leads to holiness, because as we understand Christ, we want to become like him. And so we, we try to, we want to emulate him. We, we're open to the spirit's work to make us more holy. And then in response to that, we're strengthened. And what are we strengthened for? Paul says, well, we're strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. N.T. Wright points out that the difference between endurance and patience God gives us endurance for circumstances. God gives us patience for people. (laughs) What is the strength that we need? It, It needs to be able to endure circumstances that we can't understand, problems that we can't completely overcome, obstacles. It's going to be hard enough to learn how to be a bishop. Why did I have to start from a place of heart attack, you know? Sort of the question in my mind. It's like, Lord, you know, I was weak enough. I don't think I needed to have any more weakness. And the Lord said, no, you you needed to be weaker. You needed to be convinced that you really can't do this job apart from me. And so even even as I'm laying in the bed, he's, he's, he's giving me strength to endure and to overcome. And he longs to do the same for you. And equally patience with people. Ultimately, that is the place where the gospel is transacted in our ability to love people well and to communicate the love of God through how we love people. Paul says, He says, I pray that you'll have the strength to do that with joy. (laughs) Endurance and patience with joy. And I want to tell you that's possible. It is possible to walk through things that you have to endure and where you are called upon to have patience with joy. 
Giving thanks, Paul comes back around, we're wrapping up. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, in the Greek, almost better fitting, fitted you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He's talking to a Gentile group that are outside the covenant, that are not Jewish people, and, and, and he's reminding them that, that you've been fitted to be the people of God, to receive the inheritance. Think about the, the, the children of Israel receiving the promised land, the Old Testament. Think about them being delivered from Pharaoh and his army. You, you've been given an inheritance. You've been called among God's people, set apart. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transfers us into the light of the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So Paul wraps up his summary of this is how I'm praying for you by coming back to praying that they would have thankfulness themselves for what Christ has done for them, for how he's fitted them to be his people and delivered them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. It all comes back to Christ. And if you don't believe me, just continue to read verse 15 and forward where it's all about the preeminence of Christ. And Paul will go on to write poetically about who Christ is and how all things are held together in him. Well, this morning, friends, I want to, I want to remind you that, that Paul is not, He's not, he's not commanding these people to do this. Get wisdom. Be holy. Strengthen yourselves. Even be thankful. He's not, he is praying that the Lord would do these things in the church of Colossae. It's not a work we can do in ourselves. It's a work that Christ does in us. But it begins by understanding and trusting in the person of Christ. N.T. Wright, he's an Anglican bishop and theologian from England, says, it is because of what God has already done that Paul can pray with confidence for what God will do. You know, I had very little to do with recovering from a heart attack. I mean, very little. The, the only crucial part I played was to get in the car and drive to the ER. They, they took care of everything else. And let me say, I'll even say it, go Gators, because they did an amazing job of taking care of me. I mean, I, I, I can't deny it. It was, it was impressive. But I had to get in the car and drive to the ER. I, I realized I could have called the ambulance, but, but <laughs> my point being that for each of us, whether for the first time or once again, we must come back to the point of our part which is to say yes. Yes, for me, yes, I will go to the emergency room. For you, yes, I will trust Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge of God. 
and that through Christ's redemptive work, the things that Paul prayed over the, Corinthian, the Colossians can be prayed over me. And I can grow in knowledge and grow in holiness and be strengthened for patience and endurance to continue the work God has called me to do and that he's called you to do. And that is the hope we have in Christ. Let's pray. Father, so full of thankfulness this morning, Lord, and thankful that that Paul emphasizes it in his letter to the Colossians. Lord, we pray that as we continue to read through those passages in the book of Colossians over the next few weeks in our readings, that you would continue to teach us exactly what it means to make Jesus preeminent in our lives, in our faith, in our theology, in our thinking, and that he might be the center of all things. Father, we ask your blessing upon us that we might Trust Christ fully, leaning not on our own understanding. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.